As Rose would say, we came to church. Man, that was, worship was unbelievable. I don't know, pre-service prayer lit a fire this morning. And um, that fire is still burning for sure. God is so good. And all the time, amen, I got Rose on that one. He is really good and in a really good mood. And um, I love that. Some people do say I'm going to church, but I felt the Lord saying, we are the church. You know, if you came to this building like five hours ago in the middle of the night, you might have come to a building. You might have come to a church, but you didn't come to church. There's something about people, there's something about community that changes everything. And what we bring and what we expect and what we've come to give, not receive, all of that is what it means to go to church. And we're, we're working through the book of Ephesians this year and, and our theme verse is Ephesians 2.22. Do you know it by now? <laughs> you two are being built together into a dwelling place for the Spirit. You two are being built together. This morning we're gonna make a shift from last week. Last week we looked at our internal life personally and we looked at foundation repair. We looked at what are the areas in our own life personally that God wants to repair. And we looked at expo God exposes mold and God um, looks at the structure of our life and strengthens us. And this week I wanna pivot a little bit from personal internal life to community. So there's two parts to this message. Number one, that we are God's workmanship. We are his workmanship. And the second part is that we work together. We work together. So first we're going to begin with what does it mean to be God's workmanship? Personally. Someone's got Google Translate on or version. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. You're going to have to scroll forward to the New Testament until you hit Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. And um, our main point this morning is that we enter the gates of the kingdom. This is personally now. We enter the gates of the kingdom by grace through faith. So we enter into God's kingdom personally by grace through faith. In other words, the gates into the kingdom are grace and faith. And I'll define those in a moment. But once you're in the kingdom, once you're in the kingdom, our job is to repair to repair broken walls and to repair broken gates. So we get into the kingdom through grace and faith, but once we're in the kingdom, we have responsibility. Once we're in the kingdom, there are good works prepared beforehand by God for us. 
Now, I want to outline this from the, from the get-go. You cannot get into the gates by works. You cannot get into the gates by things that we do. But once we're in the kingdom, there are good works for us. See, sometimes I think we get in through grace and faith, and then we think that that's it. We think that grace and faith is the only thing we need to sustain us in the kingdom. And we think, well, I'm into the kingdom, I'm going to heaven, and that's it. But that's not the truth. The truth is there's work to be done in the kingdom. So grace is undeserved favor. Undeserved favor. A gift from God. It's his kindness poured out to people that have not earned it, do not deserve it, cannot work for it, that's grace. And faith is the trust or belief in something. Each one of you walked in this morning and you sat down on a chair. We didn't think about it, but your mind went through subconsciously the fact that this is a trustworthy chair to sit on. And you sat down. You trusted that it was going to hold you up. Now, we didn't really think about it because the chairs here at Northside are just really nice. They're really comfortable. They're sturdy. But really, you, ex- you exerted some faith to sit down this morning. Many of you are a little bit nervous right now, wondering, I better check this chair. I don't want to be the one that happens to fall over into the aisle. But we exerted that kind of belief in something we couldn't really necessarily think about or see. We couldn't see that the legs were strong and it was going to hold us up. We just sat down. And that's how we enter the kingdom of God. When I say enter the kingdom of God, I mean put our belief in Jesus Christ. I mean the moment of salvation where we say, I cannot live my life alone, and I put my faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for my sins, rose again, and ascended. As a church, we're going through a renovation in the basement, and amazing enough, many years ago, about 10 years ago, we sold another church campus in Port Coquitlam. And the money raised from that sale of that property is actually funding our entire construction project. And the name of that campus was the Grace Campus. For those that maybe don't remember or weren't around, The Grace Campus. So our renovation is funded by grace. Many of us, you know, gave back then and gave over the years, but for the most part, we're hoping we won't have to spend but that this project will be funded by grace. It's 
It's like we didn't even have to earn it. It's just there. What an amazing picture. And so we access the kingdom in a similar way. We access the kingdom through undeserved favor, the kindness and the goodness of God. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. I'll just wait till you get there because I can hear the papers turning. Okay. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, for us, we we might have an understanding of grace and faith, but to the church in Ephesus that Paul is writing to, and to the Jewish people and the Gentile people alike, this is revolutionary. Because before Jesus, throughout the Old Testament, the chosen people were Israel, and only Israel. The Jewish people were the only ones that could actually have salvation. And here comes along a passage like this, which is a theological statement that really changed the course of the church post-Jesus or after the cross. What Paul is saying is, is he's saying that by grace you have been saved through faith. In other words, Jew and Gentile alike can be saved by grace through faith. The playing field is level. Everyone is accepted into the kingdom of God. You're not just accepted into the kingdom if you were Jewish because of who your family was. But anyone that would come to Jesus by grace through faith is saved. And then he goes on to say that we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. We are created by God. We are molded by God. We are in the hands of God. It's like we are his painting. That in the hands of God, he is is forming a picture of our lives. Destiny for our lives, a purpose for our lives. He is painting things into our soul. Unique callings, a unique personality, spiritual gifts, and he's just dipping into the paint and he's just, his brush strokes are all across our life. Now, we're not just his workmanship to get into the kingdom. That our entire life, we are in the hands of an artist. And his brush strokes are across your life. There's certain paint that he dips into and marks you with for life. That you are priceless, one of a kind. And Paul says, not only are all accepted into the kingdom by by grace through faith, but all are his workmanship, like his one of a kind. 
And when we come into the body of Christ and we come into community, each one of us brings this one-of-a-kind painting. And I look at Rose's brushstrokes and I go, wow. And Greg's brushstrokes and my wife's brushstrokes and Keaton's and all of you. And I look at the intricacy with the way that God painted you. It's so beautiful. And the enemy hates it. The enemy wants us to come in quiet, not make a sound, not show who we are, not be unique, just beige. And God is like, color bursting forth. When Paul says he is your work, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. It means that the paint that God dips into is Christ Jesus. That Jesus is woven, painted in all of our lives. The old covenant was works-based religion. Things that the people of God would do. Everything was works-based, 620 laws or so. Follow the laws and you will remain chosen. We enter the new covenant in his blood. And it is grace through faith. What was works-based religion is now grace-based relationship. What was a series of things I had to do to kind of get into the kingdom, stay in the kingdom, live in the kingdom, absent of a personal relationship with God, we now have access to a personal relationship with God. So not only are we his workmanship that he is painting throughout our life, but we have access to the artist. access to the artist to sit down and say, Father, you put this in me and conversation and dialogue. David writes this in Psalm 51.10. This is not in your notes. In fact, most of the message so far is not in your notes. David wrote in Psalm 51 verse 10, create in me a pure heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. It's an old song by Keith Green. I can hear him singing it in my head. I don't know if you have ever heard Keith Green, but I can hear him singing this in my head. 
Create in me a pure heart. So this is what it means to be his workmanship, is that each day, this isn't a one-time thing. This isn't at the moment of salvation. We don't just do this at the gates of the kingdom, but throughout our life, we come before him and we say, God, create in me a pure heart. God, today, create in me a pure heart and renew, restore, revive a steadfast spirit within me. And the Lord spoke this into my heart. He said, Joel, don't focus on works. Focus on purity and works will follow. Focus on the one who kind of brush strokes throughout our life. and good works will follow. As I'm saying that, I just felt the Lord add to it. So I'm just following you. Don't know where we'll end up. It's like, rather than works or something we do, the work is who we are. We come before him and say, we are your workmanship, God. Create in me a pure heart. And as I go about my day, people look at the work, the artwork of God. And they're like, wow, that's, that's a unique stroke. That's a unique texture. That's a unique color in your life. What is that? That's Jesus. I am his workmanship, completely yielded to his hands, completely formed for his purpose. He is making me into a divine creation, one of a kind. We are justified in the kingdom through faith. Paul says this in Galatians, that we are justified. And I'll explain what justified means in a moment. In Galatians chapter two, verse 15 and 16, Paul says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. So Paul is saying we are Jews. We are of the works-based religious sector and not these Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Justified means to be made righteous, to be made innocent, to be seen as 
clean, spiritually pure. By works, no one will be made innocent, will be made spiritually pure. You see what Paul is saying again for Jew and for Gentile, for those that are the chosen people and those that are sinners. The Gentiles were like dogs, that's what they would call them. And Paul is saying, you cannot be justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ that you are being made pure by faith. We are made pure, we are justified, we are innocent, not by our works, but by faith. Again, it means that you cannot get into the kingdom by works. We can't be good enough. We can't sacrifice enough. We can't give financially enough. We can't do enough good for humanity to get into the kingdom by those works. We get in through faith. We get in through faith. Now, we get in through faith, but as I said before, once we're in the kingdom, there is work to do. There is work to do. So I wanna switch gears now from us being the workmanship, the beautiful brushstrokes of God to now our work together in the kingdom, in the kingdom. Works in the church are a community's response to the grace that we've received. Works in the kingdom are a community's response to the grace that we received. And our response as a kingdom community now, now I'm speaking to all of us as one loving community, right? Because our vision statement is to be a loving community. And our response to the grace that we have been shown and the works that God has called us to in the kingdom is to repair and to restore that which has been broken in society. Isaiah 58 verse 12 says this, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Those broken walls and those streets with dwellings are our community. We are being called as a loving community to reach a community. That the church, rather than being something that is gathered, is actually something that is equipped to go. So we come to church to celebrate all that we've been doing all week. I long for a day where I sit there and I hear all of your stories for an hour and a half. as all of you begin to tell me while I observe all of your stories 
that you're doing in this community. Because God has called us all to rebuild the ancient ruins and all of us to restore what has been broken. Put another way is like this. The way that Jesus lived his life is the way that the body of Christ, the body of Jesus, is still supposed to live. So when Jesus entered the scene, he revealed to me personally what was possible for my life. And he revealed corporately what as a community is possible for our church. And Jesus, it says Jesus in Luke chapter four, verse 18, Jesus stood up in the temple and he unrolled a scroll from Isaiah. And it says that Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then it says that Jesus rolled up the scroll and sat down. It doesn't say that. It says Jesus stood up and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And so what Jesus is saying is, is the spirit of the Lord has anointed me for a divine purpose. And the divine purpose is to preach, to heal, to deliver those that are in bondage. And this is what it looks like as a loving community to repair and restore the brokenness that exists in our community. That we would preach the good news, the gospel. That we would heal, that we would deliver, that we would repair that which is broken in our community. And so I mean this totally practically. Like if if we're going along a street in our community and there's just garbage all over the side of the road, What do you think would be a thing that someone from a loving community could do? Answers are welcomed at this point. What do you think? Clean it up. See, clean up, see, this is, it's super practical. You're driving by someone and they have a, a flat tire option. Is it A, better to drive past them with great speed? Or B, pull over on the side of the road and help them change the tire if you know how and only if you know how. And you're doing it safely and you have the right little cones and stuff. Right? I think so many times we're like, oh my goodness, I, I need to do so much for God. It's, it's not doing so much for God, it's just... God has created me as his workmanship. Father, I want to be open to what you want me to do today. And yes, that might be preach the gospel and lead somebody to Jesus spiritually, or 
that just might be, be a gate of grace. Change someone's tire, buy someone's groceries, buy someone's Starbucks. Today, if you go out for lunch, today if we go out for lunch, do you know the day that servers dread Sundays? You know why they dread Sundays? Because we don't like to tip. That's what they say. The church doesn't tip very well. I don't like Sundays. What could we do as a loving community? 20%. Tip 20% and up. Tip 50%. Tip 100%. Whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Rather than just, you know, click A, B, or C, we ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have for me to do for this individual who has served us? today. So as we looked at last week in 445 BC, the responsibility to build the walls and the gates of Jerusalem was on the people of Jerusalem. Nehemiah had traveled from Persia to help rebuild the walls of Jerusalem But Nehemiah did not travel with a convoy of builders and a convoy of workers. Nehemiah took the same people that were in Jerusalem that had observed the broken down walls and the gates that were burned with fire, and Nehemiah rallied the same people that were still a part of this community, and he said, we are going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem together. We are going to build the gates and fortify the city. And what was lying in ruins for over 100 years was finished in 52 days using the same people that had been living there already. And in Nehemiah chapter three, verse one, I would encourage you to to listen to the last week's message as well to get a better picture. I don't want to re-preach it, but it brings context to this. We looked at Nehemiah, and we looked at Kavon Foods from 1988, which is very interesting, where cars ended up inside the produce section of Savon Foods. But in, in Nehemiah 3, verse 1, it says, Then Eliashib, the high priest rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate, and they consecrated it, and set its doors. The community that existed began to rebuild, and they started with the sheep gate. I want to look at a map together of Jerusalem. And I'll show you where the Sheep Gate is. The Sheep Gate is close to the temple, so it's top right. If you can't see it, um, I don't have anything to point at it with. 
If I had a baseball, I would throw it and hit it, but it's right there, top of the screen, sheep gate. So they repaired the sheep gate, which is closest to the temple because that's where they would bring the temple sacrifices. So they would bring the sheep through the gate into the temple. They would actually wash the sheep, cleanse the sheep for sacrifice at the sheep gate. They rebuilt that gate first and the entire wall along there to the tower of Hananel. Hananel means God is gracious. The first thing that the Israelites repaired was the sheep gate and the wall toward the tower of grace. That wall happens to be the north side. The north side. And I felt like it could just be a direction, but I felt like God calling me back to say, Joel, how gracious really are you, Joel? And then he began to highlight that gates and the gates of Northside are grace. That grace is actually the gates of Northside. And our grace for our community, our grace for other people in our community will be the very thing that invites them. And as I was thinking about a gate, I felt like the Lord said to me, a gate is a point of access. So the grace I have for someone will be a point of opening for them to enter into this community. But a gate is not just an access point. When a gate is closed, it is part of the wall. On one hand, a gate is something we enter through, so people will come by grace, but grace is also the whole wall around us. So do I have grace to bring someone into this loving community? Number one. Number two, do I have grace for those in this community? What is a gate in one instance is also a fortified wall to keep predators out. So, I'll give you a picture. I'll invite Jonathan up, Greg up, Bernie, you're in. I know you guys are just itching to be part of this random. 
But see, if we're all distant, you know, kind of socially distant, COVID-wise, well, that's not really safe. That's not really safe at all. We're completely disjointed. We're not, this is Jerusalem. This is the walls down. This is the gates that are burned with fire. But then our grace for one another is, I want to get to know Greg, and we link arms. And he wants to get to know Jonathan. He brings me along for this coffee date. And then Jonathan's like, you can't leave my dad out. So we got to get, don't know, come, grace, grace. And then what was kind of separated by distance through grace, we kind of just are friendly and get to know each other. And this is how loving community is formed. And we link arms and we become a wall. We're connected. We're protecting, like, I'm not going to let anybody come get through us. You guys going to let anybody get through us? No, we're going to protect this community. And then sometimes somebody comes along and they're a new person and I can just sort of say, come on in. And then once they come in, we're, boom, they're behind us. We got them. Our families are there. Protect them. Grace. Thanks, guys. You guys are gracious. Let's give them a round of applause. Yeah, that was awesome. God is gracious. I'll close with this. As a staff, over the last two weeks, we've, we've, we've had a lot, of, a lot of odd moments of people from the public coming into our church or just interaction with them. So a few weeks ago, we had someone that was hiking up and down the crunch and just wanted to go to church. And he began coming to our church for a few weeks in a row. Might be here today, I won't point him out. I don't want to embarrass him, but you know, he's just hiking on the crunch and, and the Lord was like, go back to church. So he started coming to church just randomly from hiking the crunch. Our tech team was out on the front lawn doing one of their crazy videos. And uh, as they're videoing, a, a guy was driving down David and rolled down his window and yelled at Andrew and said, who does your sound? as he's driving by. And Andrew's like, I do. And he pulled a U-turn in the middle of the road, pulled a U-turn, pulled over to the side of the road and says, I'm a sound engineer. I'd love to come and check it out and maybe help you guys out if you need help. Totally random. Another woman this past week said I was driving by and I could see her words, the presence of God just bursting forth out of this place. And I want to come check it out. Another story of a few women randomly just walked in and said, I've never been to church before. What does a church look like? And so I think that our grace becomes a gate for people to enter in. And our grace for one another is what makes us a loving community. I wanna pray for us and then I'm gonna invite Greg Baker up to lead us in communion. And really communion is an act together of being a loving community. So Father, I, I ask that this word would first of all pierce my own heart, Lord. To be gracious, to be loving, Lord,
to be an opportunity for someone to access who you are and see the good work, Lord, in my own life as I open myself up to them, Lord. Help me to be a gracious member of the Tri-Cities, <laughs> this community, Lord. And I pray for each person here as well, Lord, that they too would become gracious, Lord, even more so. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.